0: Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to Nugent Capital. Uh, Today is what? Trump minus nine, are we calling it? Uh, Seems like fairly widespread uh, anticipation of the new administration, shall we say. So, uh, Nugent Ventures welcomes you. And uh, today going to focus a little bit on something I usually don't, which is Crane Chicago business. I've started to get this in print. And when I get print, first thing i got to do with it is get rid of it. So I share it with you and throw it away. So it's a pretty grim uh, issue. (laughs) The first, the lead story is if Michigan Avenue is dead, Chicago is dead. I think I mentioned this the other day, but uh, here it is in poor color. And if that's the case, that's not good for Chicago. Because I don't really believe that. But, um, you know, it is the one of the big revenue generators, or was. I don't really see it coming back. <clears throat> so, and on another front page story. Behind the long wait for COVID vaccinations... Illinois has gotten 737,000 of them. At this rate, we're getting 175,000 a week. It would take two years to vaccinate 10 million residents needed to achieve herd immunity. I think we have about 13 or 14 million. Uh, So it's killed 17,000 in Illinois and sickened 1 million. So... Death rate's still running, what, about 2%, so, but part of it is we're not getting enough, and that means they're not making enough yet, that'll change, Uh, manufacturing definitely will be ramping up, especially as other companies uh, come online with approvals. But Illinois has only distributed 29% of what it's got. So of the 737, we've only distributed 213, uh, nationally about 27%. So we're a little ahead of the uh, national pace. And that's 21 million total that have been uh, distributed. So, you know, they say get it out there faster, but they have to get it in arms faster. And there's a lot of reasons why that isn't happening. I'll pick up on that later. Madigan has suspended his campaign, but Michael Madigan, that is, the Speaker of our House, and the de facto ruler of Illinois, and uh, he uh, has 51 votes, and nobody else is close to that. So he's going to just sit and wait. And they're going to realize nobody else can get enough votes, and then they'll probably elect them again. <clears throat> so that's sad. Uh, a couple of interesting articles here. You know, the loop, this gets back to Michigan Avenue. I mean, it's not just Michigan Avenue. It's the loop that is in trouble. And they're trying to use the landmark status and kind of, you know, you're supposed to be 50 years old. Uh, to get landmark status, so I'm going to apply, because I'm 66, you know, and you get a tax break, so they're trying to use the tax breaks to make these downtown dinosaurs more affordable. Uh, on the other hand, I started one of my two new jobs today with an outfit called Lloyd Agencies. And this is actually an insurance sales job, guys. But the good news is I won't be trying to sell it to you uh, because it's an interesting thing to get affiliated with because it's actually affiliated with a lot of unions, including the Teamsters. And, of course, I am the grandson uh, and nephew of Teamsters on my mother's side. You know, the two sides of the family are quite disparate. Uh, so I'm not unfamiliar with the Teamsters, and uh, you know that should be a little interesting. Although the Teamsters aren't what they were back in the back in the day, so that's good. But a lot of unions, a lot of associations, uh, police unions, all that. So the idea is that uh, they give you names of folks who are in the union. You call them up. You try to sell them their their benefit package, which is like whole life and. They give away away some other stuff too, you know, burial insurance. So actually, while we're on the subject though, uh, I actually applied for a whole life policy and I didn't get it. Uh, It had a long-term care writer and that was the whole reason I was doing it because I have long-term care insurance, which I recommend to everybody through Genworth and Genworth got bought by the Chinese and, you know, I don't really trust, the Chinese. So I tried to find something else, but I couldn't qualify. So it's a good thing I got it when I was younger. And I would advise anybody to do that. And of course, you know, you hope you won't collect on it. But the thing about, you know, term insurance, and I found this out when I was a kid. Uh, Not a kid, but many years ago, I was on a plane with a guy. And we got to talking and he was an insurance salesman. And he started talking about whole life, and I said, well, I hear whole life is a bad deal because you can get term cheaper, and he said, you know what, term is actually a lousy deal, and I said, why is that? Well, today in the training, they talked about, you know, whole life pays out 100% of the time because you build uh, cash value, and it's like a 4.5% return every year, interest. I just went through this with Northwestern Mutual, and um with term, you don't get any cash value. So I had a term policy uh, that I got through the AMA insurance agency. And I think I actually dropped it before I got to be 65 because at the time I didn't have a beneficiary. But be that as it may, you know, the term was at 65. So basically they're insuring you during a period where you only have like a 2% chance of collecting anything. So all that money's Basically like rent, you know, it's all down the down the tubes. And with whole life, you actually have cash value, and you can borrow against it, and there's tax advantages. And it's a 4.5% yield, in effect, which, you know, is pretty good. And it doesn't expire. You know, we talk about options on this show, and options expire, but this is more like actually having equity, you know, and actually owning stock or owning a house. And it turns out, I didn't know this either, but insurance was basically invented in the 18th century, in the 1700s, Lloyd's of London and such. And, you know, uh, there were only two products, therefore, um, you know, whole life was the first thing and then term. Now, insurance companies make a lot of money on in insurance, and mostly it's from their investment income. You know, Prudential Building, Chaniac Building, those are all insurance uh But So it's a development thing, they invest the money And so, you know, you can tell a pretty good story about it But whole life, honestly, is a better deal So I'm on the plane with this guy and we spend about an hour talking about it Yeah, you're on a plane, right? The longest I ever spent talking to somebody about insurance And I fully expected him to try to sell it to me And I said, you know, I'm surprised you haven't tried to sell me the thing He says, you know what, I don't I don't specialize in, I specialize in very high net worth people, and I can tell by the conversation you're not. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, the stereotype about insurance sales people is, is negative and Never something I thought I would do. But, um, you know, I actually, at this age, I actually, you know, older but wiser, I know guys who died uninsured and their families struggled as a result. So, you know, if you got a family, you really should have life insurance. So, you know, I feel as if it's probably something where I can make the pitch with uh, some conviction that it's a good idea. So anyway, be that as it may, um, that's what's up in Nugent World. So we're adding insurance to our portfolio of things. And I hope they do have a long-term insurance rider because that's a, you know, you definitely want to buy that when you're young, you know, and you hope you never have to use it, but good to have anyway. So, um, borderless recruiting rails, the technology sector. This is Chicago on this chart here, according to CBRE, which is a real estate outfit, I believe. In terms of number of tech workers, Chicago is like one, two, three, four, five, six, and San Francisco, of course, is in the lead three hundred eighty nine, three hundred ninety thousand tech workers, and Chicago has about oh, half that, one hundred eighty. So what's interesting is that you know, and we were talking about this today in the uh, the training program. You know, you can work from anywhere so you can sell. It used to be these insurance guys had to go call on people in their houses. Not anymore. So you can call on people anywhere in the country. And if you're in tech, you can code anywhere in the country. So that's actually going to increase wages. And the other aspect of that, you know, with Facebook and all the other social media companies under fire, they're going to start to play it like defense where they're going to look at the Senate and they're going to put, like, 10,000 workers in Montana, right? So all the small states are going to have coders. And then they'll go to the Congress with their lobbyists and say, hey, look, we have 10,000 jobs in your state. You want to lose them? That's an old defense trick. So, now, let's see what else is going on. I'm going to flip back and forth here because, I'm, you know, they jump these stories in print, so... Yeah, landmark status, I'm going for it because I'm I'm over 50. Let's see. We're not going to get into that. Now let's go back to the virus story. Um, First of all, the problem is that, of course, they delegated this to the states, but, you know, that's how things work a lot in the federal government, although they didn't do that with the census, you know. So let's see. In Chicago, we got 32,000 first doses. Apparently, Biden is gonna invoke the Defense Production Act, and also supposedly he's gonna re- release all the Moderna backs for first dose, and then hope that the second doses are available. Fauci doesn't agree with that, and I talked to a friend of mine today who's uh you know knowledgeable in this, and he doesn't agree with it either. And he's in the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry, that is. So, you know, now we're going to see mistakes made perhaps on the other side. So you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't. I think what Biden will want to do is, you know, show that he doubled the number of uh, vaccinations politically. But then you could get caught short. The other thing I don't understand is, okay, I went and got my first dose. Okay, now I'm supposed to go back and get my second one. Well, what if somebody goes in and says, you know, I got my first dose already. I'm back for my second. And I was talking about this with my buddy from the farm industry. He says, well, I think you'll have to go back to the same place. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. But I don't know that there's any central database. And he was thinking the CDC would do it, which is the Centers for Disease Control. I don't know about that. I don't know. I asked my pharmacist what's up with that. And he said he didn't know. So nobody knows nothing, by the way. I, I've talked to my pharmacist. I stopped by my doctor's office. Nobody knows nothing at the local level. But I do know that it says in here somewhere that it'll be several weeks, yeah, before Illinois moves into the next phase, which includes essential workers like first responders and teachers as well as individuals 65 and older. And now there's also a... Uh, sentiment that these things need to be distributed uh, based on racial equity and uh, that sort of thing. So who knows? There's been some waste, uh, and then they're talking about drive-throughs. But then in the same article, they talk about adverse reactions, and this is a level of complexity. Because of adverse reactions, although they're uncommon, facilities are hesitant to inoculate too many people at once. And this is in the case of healthcare care workers. Um, only about a third of health care workers outside of Chicago have received the vaccine. And they're the first priority. And, you know, it's like forced protection, right? But it, it makes sense for everybody because if all the healthcare care workers are down, then... And the system gets overwhelmed much more easily. Interesting article. They're thinking about using uh, what they call, what's the acronym for it? It's like the gas that comes out of, like, if you drive by a, a, a garbage dump on the southeast side, which is where one of my new jobs is, by the way. Uh, you see them burning off the, uh, the methane that comes out of the garbage dump. Well, NICOR wants to use that to um, provide gas, nat gas, to, uh, it's not, it's RNG. I think they call it recycled natural gas. Well, that seems like a good idea. But the environmentalists are opposing it because they want to move to electric so they can go solar. And I guess what they really want, maybe the compromise will be that it just goes to industrials, which is right where all these dumps are anyway. So, but they're talking about getting it from the farm You know there's a lot of methane waste I don't know how you do that Do you I don't even want to go into that That's too gross even for this show um, Let's see So now uh, Here's Mr. Woke person uh, There's a few related articles here That talk about racial equity And we're going to be talking about racial equity a lot in the future, definitely as we change administrations. So um, this is by Dennis Rodkin. Black home value gap biggest in Chicago among top cities. Typically black-owned homes in Chicago are worth 37% less than typical homes in the market overall. Nationwide, that differential is only 16% which is interesting. Um, and the reason for that, according to Deborah Moore, who's director of neighborhood strategy and planning for neighborhood housing services of Chicago, a nonprofit that works to improve the city's neighborhoods through home ownership is that black neighborhoods are lacking quality amenities, retail walkability and public infrastructure. Um, and the impact of disinvestment. Latino homeowners, uh, their homes are 16% below the overall market in Chicago compared to 10% nationwide. Non-Hispanic white homes are worth 8% more than the market overall. Nationwide, only 3%. Asian-owned homes are worth 11% more than the general market compared to about 4% nationwide. So you can see that if you take the uh, non-Hispanic whites and Asians as kind of one segment, and the numbers kind of group them that way, the differential isn't that much because, you know, the uh, Latino... Hispanics and the Blacks are a fairly small percentage of the total. One of the interesting things that's happened in the census, and I noticed this, now I see why it happened. Um, If you have a Hispanic (laughs) national origin who identifies as white, they get put in a different bucket than the Hispanic that identifies as Latino so in effect it increases <clears throat> the white number according to the census which is very to me interesting and we'll see what the implications of that are it's a subtle little thing but you know, I noticed that when I was employed by our friends at the census and now I can see how it plays out when they start to release the numbers So, I don't know if that was a new thing this time around or not, but it definitely changes those kinds of breakdowns. Now, another article, same kind of theme here, is uh, the Illinois population drop. And Greg Hens argues that it's more complicated than it looks, but I think it's a pretty feeble argument. Uh... Illinoisans, the the idea is that the 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 red uh, contingent, you know, what I'm calling reds now, Republicans, say that the reason is because uh, of state policies like the corruption of a Mike Madigan, et cetera, the the high taxes, the you know. Decline in the quality of services, yeah, things that most common people would agree with. The drop in Illinois' population was two hundred fifty thousand, or about two percent. He doesn't concede that that's not good news. Okay. Um, whereas Michigan and Ohio, he says, have only risen by one percent. Well, that's a three percent gap. That's big, <laughs> you know. It, the whole article is like trying to minimize the 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 problem here. Wisconsin lost about fifty four thousand people, which is interesting, but he doesn't give a percentage. And Indiana, he says, despite all their bragging, they only gained three percent. Well, they gained two hundred and seventy one, and we lost two hundred and fifty. So what that tells me, it's a coincidence. But you know, since we lost just about what they gained. A lot of people moved to Indiana, and I know that's true. I have a friend who's a realtor over there, and he's making a living on that. And so if you take a 3% gain by Indiana and a 2% loss, that's a 5% swing, guys. So that's huge. If they do that every year, every decade for 10 decades, they'll be half of the people here. You know, it's a depopulation. Now, uh... The Midwest leader in growth is high-tax Minnesota, which has gained an estimated 354,000 people with better than 6%. And I think what happened in Minneapolis over the summer is going to change that. But that is interesting. And why is that? Um, that's a good question. And it does seem to argue that, you know, the population trends are not entirely a function of tax. So that would be a good point for the article. Let's see. What else does it say? Okay, so the Metropolitan Planning Council Research Director Dan Cooper says that the most striking factor is inequality due to Chicago's national reputation for high crime lagging schools and tax uncertainty. So, you know, that kind of is a euphemism for what we would call, you know, what, what the Republicans would call, um, you know, raising taxes and uh, crime and uh, all the other ills that plague Illinois. What you re- really should be calling that is inequality, folks. So that's, that's Mr. Wolferson's comment for the day, and that's fine. So he says inequality is our number one problem. And I suppose that's one way of phrasing it. So where are those folks moving? Two-thirds of the moving bands uh, in booking in Chicago were outbound. Now, this is three different sources, United Van Lines, Atlas, and U-Haul. We're 49th among 50 mainland U.S. locations for inbound moves by do-it-yourselfers. Nobody's coming here, folks. Lots of people are leaving. We lost about 80,000 people in the year end of July one. 7th consecutive year 7th highest proportion of outbound moves in the US Now that the only good news is that fewer people moved this year because of covid evidently South Bend's a big winner according to Redfin and then Austin and Cape Coral Florida So they're leaving And they're going to Indiana, and they're going to Texas, and they're going to Florida. But they're going, going, gone. And I don't know that that trend is going to reverse, frankly. So, what else do we have here? King Crane's. That may be it, folks. But it was a pretty good issue, and you can see there's some, obviously whoever edits this does it on a theme-based basis and did a pretty good job of it. So, now, second part of our show today. So I read the, uh, I read Crane Chicago Business, so you don't have to. And it probably took me as long to talk about it as it did for me to read it. So, anyway. Well, if you want to read this stuff yourself, you know, go ahead. But the one thing, and then there's another thing you could read yourself, but I'm always assuming, you know, you didn't. And if you did, you know, repetition, they said on my training call, is the key to learning. So I was supposed to memorize my speech today, actually. All right, so here are the uh, new posts in the last 24 hours of Nugent Ventures' uh, exciting LinkedIn page. Our top story, Chicago rents fell 12% in 2020. So that's why uh, Nugent Ventures' new world headquarters is going to be a rental, because I ain't buying anything in this town. I looked at a, I looked at a condo on Lincoln Park West, uh, went at $700,000, or $800,000, I think, for $25 4 2500 square feet just what we're looking for got a lake view right on Lincoln Park West I'm not going to touch it because first of all you know first of all I really couldn't afford it right now but secondly uh, it needs a ton of work you know and the building it's a big building I don't know how many I forget how many units they only have 200,000 in reserves so this place ain't going to ain't going to be able to survive so Not for me, but I did ask them if they would rent it, and they wouldn't. So, okay, fine. There's places that are offering four or five months free rent downtown. So I imagine that's where I'm going to end up. Um, We were joking on one of my little text lines today about, you know, nobody knows anything in the market, right? You can find any number you want, but... I told this friend of mine that the one thing, if you look at the big buy-side and sell-side brokers like Credit Suisse in this case, uh, analysts I should say, at least it gives you a sense of the consensus of sentiment. Okay, And uh, Credit Suisse is way bullish. Stock market exuberance is here to stay. And, you know, they could be right, but then you can find probably, I don't I think you'll find more people who think that, you know, risk is to the upside than people who think there's a downside risk of a correction. But, you know, there are people talking about a 10% correction if if the Senate went blue. Didn't happen. So that would kind of support the CS thesis. I mean, if the prospect of higher taxes doesn't uh, chill the market, you know, What will? And there's a lot of trade-offs and cross-currents. You know, the stimulus, the infrastructure, all that is viewed as bullish. So we'll see what happens. Walmart is working with a venture capital company that's behind Robinhood, which is that trading app, uh, to create a fintech startup. So that'll be interesting. You know, that's what Sears did. Now, (laughs) that doesn't bode Well, But that's how we got, you know, a lot of Sears. Sears, the retail store, is a standalone, is dying. And we'll probably put a fork in that this year. But, um, you know, what people forget is Allstate. That was part of Sears. used to go to Sears and they'd have an Allstate booth. uh, Discover card. uh, And Walmart has its own credit card, too. So, you know... Sears successfully got into a lot of financial services products and Walmart now is following suit on that. So that should be interesting to watch. I mean, it's fine. I mean, if it brings financial uh, wisdom and sophistication and acumen and resources and, you know, there's so many unbanked people. If they can have their banking done at Walmart, I, I think that's great. More competition, it's good for consumers, right? It was a great day for VAX stocks. Um, unfortunately for us, I don't think we have positions in any of them anymore. At least we didn't last time I checked. But, you know, we're regrouping here. We're putting together a portfolio of uh, the Biotech 100 or what have you. So, uh, and I, I just actually put a uh, Biotech stocks to watch that I found on Seeking Alpha. And those are not, by the way, recommendations. I haven't vetted those. Uh, but, you know, they're worth a look. A lucky look, as they say. Now, there's a couple I think I put out here. These are a day old now, but uh day late and a dollar short segment. Democratic sweep in Georgia could mean earlier rate hikes. So, you know, the Fed may think, okay, Democrats are going to spend which we've been banging on the table for the uh, for Uncle Sam to do the fed the the feds versus the Fed as I put it the Treasury so uh, that may mean that they can raise rates because they don't have to handle all the heavy lifting involved in trying to stimulate the economy unilaterally now that you know, the Feds did put out a over a trillion dollar stimulus bill, but obviously everybody thinks we need more. And who can say we don't? Not I. There's an inflation debate that's roiling U.S. markets. There's an article about that, which will cost you six minutes, but probably worth reading. And uh, I put an article about Bitcoin out there. Today, Bitcoin took a nosedive. And that does not surprise me at all. That's one of the least surprising things that I've seen. It was just a matter of time. I mean, the thing went up parabolic, so you know it's going to drop like a plane where the engine failed, and that's what happened today. So I say beware of Bitcoin. It's for sure at these levels. So we'll see what happens. but I'm not a bitcoin man i'm not a I'm not a crypto person. Not a crypto fan, you know. So uh, that's my two bitcoins. If I had two bitcoins, I'd be sixty thousand dollars ahead of the game. Good buy at like nine dollars, and uh, as it turns out, good buy at like twelve thousand, but not at thirty one or forty. I'm telling you. So anyway, that is about the size of it for today, and uh, I wish you. Uh, Long and prosperous life, as I always do. Live long and prosper. And now we know that means that means God. And maybe maybe living long and prospering is divine. You know? So, uh, live long, prosper. Stay safe. I'm venturing out into the office world tomorrow. So, I'll be wearing my mask. And hopefully, people will make fun of me. Bye-bye.